This is Paul Nobles from eatreform.com, and I am with Meredith, my lovely co-host. Meredith, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hi, everybody. So I, I might have this wrong, but uh, this looks like this is the 10th one. It seems like we've done a million of these things. Um, is it 10? Yeah. So, oh. so yeah, The uh, for people that aren't familiar with how we do these every two weeks, we change it. One week we have kind of more of a nuts and bolts podcast, which is uh, our building blocks podcast. And that's run by kind of the, you know, the team that runs most things, right? They're, they're the people that are going to be onboarding people as they come in as new clients. We did have a big push. Um, we're sort of changing gears and sort of slowing down here because we have so many people that came in uh, recently. But uh, welcome to everyone. You know, the, uh, you know, the, the food as an ally crew is, is here to help. And, uh, you know, it's just always fun when we have a big push and we get a lot of people in and, you know, kind of that new energy. Right. So do you do you end up seeing that on your side? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we see um, a lot of people coming into the app and we see uh, it just it, it, I mean, it makes us really busy, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to see how excited, new you know people get as they come in and just the different things that they learn. And I think that's the biggest thing when people um, first join the app is just they get so excited about um, just learning to think about things a little bit differently on how we do things. And it's it's fun. It's fun to help teach them and yeah, them so, help so, along the way. So I know Meredith has a, a little story about this. <laughs> um, but to kind of finish what I was saying is that uh, – what we do is a little bit more of a casual podcast and we take on like some broader topics and then kind of just riff on, you know, how those work. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about what I refer to as a stop and go. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to people and we'll, we'll be able to kind of walk them through mentally how to view you know, fat loss around the holidays, right? And that that will hopefully help. But um, can you tell the story that you were telling me about um, about uh, your kids? Yeah. So um, I'm still not sure if this was a compliment or if they were trying to um, like slam me just a little bit. But so we were talking the other night about retiring. My dad just recently retired, and um, just about retirement in general. And, and I said, I said something about, well, someday I'm going to retire. And my son just started laughing, my 16 year old. And I'm like, what? He goes, mom, here's what I picture. You're going to be on your deathbed, on your computer, doing reviews, doing emails. He goes, and then you're going to pass away quietly. And then you're going to come back to life because more come in and you're going to have to finish them. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, what? He, he apparently thinks you're Jesus. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, or that, you know, my um, drive to finish things is going to, you know, bring me back to life. That's true. Can't leave something undone. But I mean, it was funny. They were he was actually meaning it, I think, as a compliment, just saying that, you know, I'm not going to leave something unfinished. But it was it was just funny. I just sat and looked at him like I wish I could have had you know, those moments you wish you would, could have recorded, like, you know, you'd had a hidden camera mm -hmm. somewhere because there's oh, no man. way to portray how funny it was. I just wonder, like, what isn't being recorded now, right? Like, <laughs> when you go online, it seems like, how did they record that? I guess there's a there's a, a Reddit thread that's similar to this where it's like, you know, um, why were these people even recording? You know? Oh, yeah. And so... So yeah, they um I think uh you know from from me on a personal note, you know, I, I I've been going back to CrossFit. Uh, I think I I probably talked a, a little bit about that. You know what's really awesome about it is that well one, I, I still have my other gym membership, so I can kinda go there whenever I'm feeling more in a a shower <laughs> and air conditioned mode. Um, but the uh the actually, I live really near the that gym, so I've never showered at that gym. I actually kind of think <laughs> showering. <laughs> um, but uh, 
but the uh, no, I started at CrossFit. You know what's been really cool about it? I wrote an article and and you know I might link this podcast depending on how long the conversation goes. But what's been really cool is just you know I remember when I first started CrossFit, it was like I I did it for a result, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did leave CrossFit one other time. I don't know if you can close Slack, but it's kind yep, of yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. Sorry. But uh, but the um, but what I was gonna say is that I did this one other time with powerlifting, and what was interesting about it is that the first time I when I joined CrossFit, and and that's what the the article that I just put up was just about, you know, the different way to view how to start CrossFit when you're either starting or coming back, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I felt like, you know, trainers kind of tell you what is the best case scenario. And I'm not saying like ignore your trainer, right? Because mm-hmm. that's actually an important part of the process. But I remember, man, this was eight, 10 years ago. We were all on you know, doing Kelly Starrett, you know, for like 30 minutes before each workout and stuff like this. And I don't do any of that stuff, you know, uh, now pre-wide, you know, I'll do some dynamic workouts, but I'm going to be real honest with you. If I'm weightlifting, I, to warm up, I lift lower weights, right? right. That That's how I warm up, you right. know? And so I'm much more in tune with my body. And the one thing that, you know, when I went to powerlifting, I fully expected my body just to kind of break down, right? Like, like what, what I don't think that people realize when you move from like CrossFit to marathons, powerlifting to whatever, is that as you shift, you have to work to get better. So your marathon time should be getting better. Your lift should be going up. Right. If you move to powerlifting, if, if crossfitting is your thing, your cardiovascular high intensity response should be getting better. Right. And right. I'm already seeing that in a very short period of time. People don't realize this, but like your cardio comes back in like three to four weeks. I mean, it's oh. not like, yeah. you know, it's not like strength where, you know, you might be working for a whole year just to get your squat to move 50 pounds. Right. So. So that's so that's been kind of that thing. I mean, what do you see? Because, I mean, for those that don't know, Meredith does, you know, she coaches, uh, she does yoga, you know, all these different things. So what do you see as kind of the thing that, you know, maybe like the pitfalls that new people have or or people that are coming back? And actually, y- you had Rabdo. I don't know if you want to kind of get into the the weeds with that one. Okay. Well, talking about the pitfalls that I see with people that are just starting or coming back um, is that one, they either try to go all out way too quickly and then they're so sore and, you know, beaten up that they, they don't come back or they, um, it takes them too long in between times to recover enough to be consistent. Does that make sense? So they'll like, if they go way hard, and heavy on Monday, and they're so sore they can't move again until Thursday or Friday. They're not, they're missing all of that in between. So that's when I think the biggest pitfalls, especially for someone coming back, not just someone starting. Sometimes someone starting knows more that they need to um, slow down or they need to scale something or they need to not go really hard. And they're more apt to listen to a coach. It's usually someone who hasn't been doing it for a while and comes back. Those are the ones that say, oh, I used to be able, I did this, I've done this before, I can lift this weight, I can do it this fast, I can do this RX, I can do, and then that's what happens, they start to come back too fast, and then they're too sore, and then they kind of fall out, so that's one of the biggest pitfalls. That's that's also, you're very much at risk to get rhabdo in that scenario, right, because you remember that you were like this gangster before, and then now you're kind of pushing yourself, like I actually had a moment the other day where I had a cramp in my abdomen. And I think a lot of times people think of cramps as if like a cramp is side stitches. And that's mm-hmm. really not what a cramp is. It's maybe a version of a cramp. But a cramp is almost like the inside of your muscle like like juts out. Yeah. Right. And it hurts a lot. And, you know, I think if if I wasn't smarter, you know, 
about my approach, I would have kind of kept going. I've, I've worked through cramps before. I, I mean, both tough mutters that I did um, back in the day, you know, I had really bad cramps right about mile seven and it's like mm-hmm. an 11 mile race, you right. know, and I made, I finished both of them. So I know how to work with cramps, but what's the point, right? Like in the case of the tough mutter, you know, I, I had trained a lot for those moments and I was taking electrolytes. I was doing all the precautionary measures that you would have. Now, one thing that I have done is in my water, I just added, I just added some nun tabs to my um, gym bag and now I'm being a little bit more cautious um, as it relates to the water that I'm drinking. But I love talk, a little bit, talk a little bit about, you know, your experience with Rabdo and what, what you think that is, because there's some things that I think people need to know related to that. Absolutely. So it was um, a year and a half ago. So it was just January of 2017. And there were actually a lot of extenuating circumstances. I was in just, it was a perfect storm, if you will, for me to get rabdo. First of all, I'd been sick. I had been sick with um, like the flu. Then I got an, like a bronchial infection and I was on antibiotics and through all of that, the antibiotics dehydrated me. And so I was really dehydrated. I had been sick. The antibiotics, all of those are bad. You don't, don't work out in those situations. FYI, Not, don't go hard and heavy anyway. So, but I finally felt better. And so I decided to go back to the gym. And on the first day back, the workout was just a pretty short. It was a 30, 20, 10 of front squats and pull-ups. So 30 front squats, 30 pull-ups, 20, 20, 10, 10. And so I know that's 60 pull-ups and that seems like a lot, but I'd done a lot more than that. There are a lot of workouts that I had done that were 100 pull-ups, you know, or more than that and never had an issue. Um, One of the other things that was unique in my situation is that I have super high cholesterol. I have hyper, familiar hyperlipidemia, which is just family history of really high cholesterol. And I was on um, cholesterol medication. I was on Crestor. Um, so the statin medication also puts you at a higher risk for rhabdo if you have a sensitivity to it. So I have a sensitivity to those. I can't take them anymore. Um, but all of that combined, I ended up getting rhabdo and what happened, how that, so that day I felt horrible. I felt horrible through the workout. I felt horrible at the end of the workout. Um, but here's, I'd been sick. I'd been taken off. It's kind of that same thing coming back, even though me coming back was, probably about a month just because I'd been so sick the whole month of December. And I came back, did this workout. Well, then the next day I made myself go again. So I went, I didn't do it quite as hard or heavy because I wasn't feeling it. And then on Wednesday, I remember I tried to do one pull up and I couldn't get one. Like I had done 60 on Monday and on Wednesday I couldn't get one pull up. And I remember thinking, gosh, that's weird. And, you know, I was like, you know, maybe I'm dehydrated. And so I, then I started drinking a lot of water. And then by Thursday, I still could not straighten my arms out. I had a really hard time getting my, um, my clothes, my shirt off. Um, I couldn't get my arms out straight over my head. I um, went into work um, on Friday morning. So Friday morning, I went into work and my hands were swollen Um, To the point, I had to wear a different size gloves. Like I went up in glove size at work doing dental hygiene because my um, hands were swollen. And I just kept thinking I must be dehydrated. Like, I don't know why I was not, it wasn't registering. So, well, and and just to stop you there, is a, um, is, is a, one of the characteristics is being dehydrated. So all the medication that you're taking and stuff, which is why. Um, people need to be careful about it. The the two instances that I think are really important to talk about is the one instance is the one you're talking about where um, you're kind of anxious to get back to normal, right? Right. So that, that's one that can be problematic. The other that I think is um, really important is after big nights of alcohol, right? You're, you're going to be dehydrated. I'd say, I'd say the two scenarios where I've heard of rhabdo, right? Both somewhat related to dehydration. One was alcohol. 
the other one was people trying to get back to normal as soon as possible. Right. And I mean, I just kept going. Here I was. I felt horrible. And I had started the whole week. Like, I, I mean, I kept going. I didn't stop and be like, oh, I, maybe I should rest. Maybe I should not. Maybe I shouldn't go in today. I'm just going to keep going. But it was Friday. Um, and then it was one of those where I felt like I was, had the flu again. Like I'm like, oh, I'm getting sick. Like that was actually I'm like, I'm sick again. And, you know, but then it was honestly what started to make me think about it is I was with a patient and the doctor that I worked for was doing the exam. And he looked up and asked me a question and I said something answering it. And it made no sense. Like what came out of my mouth, like he stopped and looked at me and he goes, what? And I'm like, well, never mind. I don't know. And, but I was, I was actually having some cognitive, like I couldn't, I couldn't focus. And so I went home that night, laid down and I don't know what made me think of it, but all of a sudden it was me. I tried to raise my arm up to do something and I just hurt so badly and I couldn't straighten my arm out. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, you know, something in the back of my head started to trigger. Maybe this is something besides the flu. And so I actually started Googling. I remember, I don't know if you remember, I actually put a question out in our our coaches group that we had at the time. I'm like, hey, has anyone ever had rhabdo? What are the symptoms and what do I do? And everyone's like, go to the emergency room, go to the emergency room, go to the emergency room. So long story short, went to the emergency room, had rhabdo, spent four days in the hospital, lots of IV fluid. I was lucky I never had any kidney damage. Um, I never had the dark colored urine that's associated with it, or I think I maybe would have caught it sooner. Um, but I also was drinking a lot of water. So that was actually helped flushing my kid, you know, as much as I could. So, but yeah, it was for me trying to get back to where I was before I was sick and having taken so much time off and all those perfect, perfect storm with all those other little things going on. And that's like I said, so if you're coming back or just starting, there is a reason to listen to your coaches. There is a reason to ease back into it. Um, one, so you can be consistent and keep going and not just do it for a day or two and then quit and not come back for another week because you're so sore and tired, but also so that for your, um, you know, your overall health, so you don't end up with some crazy situation like I had. Yeah, I think um, in the article that I posted, and, uh, and you, you could search it on Google, you know, mm-hmm. each form coming back from CrossFit, but the, I talked about modification for, for two different things, and there, there's basically, there's there's one way to do it, right for a certain set of of workouts and then there's the other way to do it the other way and that's a very small subset and so i'll talk about the very small subset first the very small subset is marathon training triathlon training any long endurance hiking things like that when you look at those things what you're using your CrossFit for, because you already have CrossFit is actually sort of like this this hybrid of and, and and you know there are gyms with different focuses, so you have to kind of keep that in mind. You're like, well, my gym is not like that, you know. But what what in general, right? It's mostly 15 to 20, 15 to 30 minute watts, right? <laughs> So you're not going all out for 15 to 30 minutes. So it's sort of this hybrid of long endurance and um, high intensity work, right? right? And so when you are a you know endurance athlete, what you're trying to do is kind of hold on to muscle and potentially build muscle outside of the time that you aren't running. So <clears throat> when you are, when people kind of wonder when should I push it, right? that's when you should push it when you're coming from like a endurance background you don't really have to get your cardio up to speed now it does take like weightlifting cardio is a little bit different than running cardio um and you do have to be careful as it relates to form and things of this nature but if as an example and i, I maybe when i tell the other side it'll it'll give a good example of what the options could be but if you can do, you know, 120 pound wall balls, you know, to a 10 foot target, but it's just going to tire you out because it's really heavy for you, you should do it because you already have the endurance base to go with it, right? As long as, you know, you can keep your form throughout, you will be fine. But the other scenario which is the the big scenario so i would say i would i would also put like boot camp people in that scenario right mm-hmm. like 
you're coming from a boot camp background, you should probably just push, you know, the strength side so you can sort of get things. And I, I do think that even as I'm saying this, you should also work on your strength outside of wads, right? Oh, that would yeah. help a lot. The other side is like powerlifting, bodybuilding, um, and and really more sedentary type type behavior, right? Where you you know if you're a bodybuilder and you're doing like a ton of cardio, you know, in the time that you aren't cutting for a competition or something like that, you're doing bodybuilding wrong, right? Like. You're always doing yeah. like some kind of compromise because you don't want to, you know, just throw on a lot of weight without some amount of accountability. But at the same time, you know, if you're lifting weights, you know, hour, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, hour to two hours in the gym, that stimulus alone is going to eat up a lot of those calories. You're going to be dealing with a lot of CNS type stuff. Powerlifting is very CNS heavy. Um, certainly when you're first starting off, it's, it's a shock to your central nervous system. You probably need more rest than you might think. Uh, I was actually at the seminar one time and I, you know, talked to kind of this, this well-known personal trainer. And I just said, I was like, do you have any opinion on who works out harder, right? A new person who's never worked out or someone that is, has been crossfitting for five years, you know, in that same time period in, in let's say 15 minutes who worked out harder. And he's like, well, clearly the person that does more reps. And I was just like, wow, like you're sort of well known and you don't know that basic piece. If you're new, or you're coming back. This is actually one of the interesting things about coming back, by the way. It's a second shot at newbie gains. Yes. Right. And this is what people don't consider is that whenever you, you know, move to another way of doing things, you're going to get like this accelerated rate of progress. Like right now, I'm only two, you know, maybe a week and a half to two weeks in. I've already done the RX weight like three times in, in wads. So my strength is already coming back with the cardio and I'm just making some cardio adjustments. But just know that if you're new and you're coming in last, at least have enough, you know, moxie to go, well, I'm working out harder than they are. Right. Yeah. Because this is a harder adjustment for my body and your body will respond well to that. Yeah. Um, and like I said, check out the article because I talk about fat loss cycles and losing weight and things like this. And it, and it kind of wraps it all in a bow. Um, but, yeah. So what were you going to say? And then I want to kind of get to the other side. That's fine. I was just going to say that, yeah, I had this conversation earlier this week with someone about those newbie gains. You know, he's been doing CrossFit for several years and talking to someone who, you know, and he's like, is this really true? Are they going to get more, you know, gain more strength and muscle faster than I am? I'm like, yeah, because you've been doing it so long. I mean, there really is. Those newbie gains are real across the board. And so. the newbie gains are, you know, like there's no question that I'm not as strong as I was when I was powerlifting, right? And I, I would actually say that, you know, for my gym, the the bias is a little bit more towards strength or at least the way that I can kind of work my programming, I can actually do it and I kind of like strength more. So that ends up working out great for me. So a great example is today's WOD, which is real similar to the one that you talked about with front squats and pull-ups. So what I do, so this is probably for sedentary people, for, for bodybuilders, for powerlifters, anybody coming to CrossFit, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a man, do the women's RX. If you're a, a woman, do the RX, the women's RX, and multiply it by 0.66. That, to me, is almost always a good guide. Now, in the case of this one workout, I will make one adjustment. 
right? So it, it's it's twenty one fifteen nine, or it's nine fifteen twenty one. So it's reversed backwards. So and it, it has burpees um, towards the end of the workout. And so what I will do right now, because the burpees tend to be kind of like the deal killer, right? So like if you're, as an example, let's say that you're doing a workout and there's double unders in your workout and you can do double unders, but you have to do them one at a time and it takes you forever. That's not really the spirit of the workout, right? So, so if right now, you know, I've got to use up all my energy to do 45 burpees, I'm probably better off doing somewhere around 25 to 30 burpees. So what I'm going to do is make the adjustment to um, 5, 10, 15, right? So, so the interesting thing about that adjustment is that the last thing I will be doing is 15 burpees. This is probably the best thing that I ever heard related to wads in wads go 80% the good majority of the time 70 to 80% the good majority of the time that is what crossfit game when you if you think a crossfit games athlete is all out in every wad you, or you're wrong right like they're operating at 70 to 80% but what they do is they flip the switch at 20 for that last 20 and so knowing that you know, that last 15 and knowing that there's a lot of value on the back end, I can go out all out. Right. And and obviously I'll listen to my body. And if I, you know, I feel something or something, I might pull up, but in this wide, you know, doing the women's RX and adjusting for the burpees is going to be a little bit more of kind of where I'm at. And it'll also be a good litmus test for me. So a great way to look at it is whether or not you finished a lot before the rest of the class. If you finish way before everyone else, you're modifying way too much and you have to gangster up, right? (laughs) If you, but likewise, right? If you finish 10 minutes after the class, you're not modifying enough. The Correct. intent of the workout in every this was this was straight out the mouth from Chris Spieler, right? Is that a good trainer modifying your workouts? And that's what you should be doing. You should ask your trainer. And if your trainer is like trying to make you do the most gangster version, I would argue that maybe you shouldn't listen to that trainer. <laughs> What you're listening to is you want to be modifying your workouts where you're finishing at the same time Chris Spieler's finishing, right? That's when you know you modified a workout really good. When you modify it um, too much, you're going to finish way ahead of time. And so you want to be careful and realize that you're maybe not pushing it. But but I what the thing that kind of I hate seeing at, at any CrossFit gym He's like a 64-year-old female, you know, finishing 15 minutes after everyone else. Now, obviously, that's their prerogative, but that's not the intent of the workout, right? right. So, but you were going to say something? Yeah, just as an example, we, we've actually talked about this before, but so this last week, there was, a, or two weeks ago, we had a workout, DT, which is a named workout, which is 12 deadlifts, nine hang cleans, and six shoulder to overhead, five rounds for time. The women's RX weight's 105. I can do it. I've done DTRX. Um, but this day, with all it was a Friday, and with all the other things we had done during the week, the way I was feeling, the way I was warming up, I knew that it was going to take, that should take you under 10 minutes. That is the stimulus of the workout. DT should be an under 10-minute workout. Um, and I knew it would take me closer to 15, the way that I was feeling with those. So... I scaled the weight and I had several people say, you can do 105. Why are you doing 95? Yeah. Because I want to finish in the stimulus of the workout. And you have to explain that. So I finished in like eight minutes as opposed to 15. Well, and also, I mean, I'm here to work out, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not here to crush myself so I can't work out for the next three days. Exactly. And they don't know that the dog woke you up in the middle of the night. 
you know, right. they know that, you know, you're kind of nursing off of a cold or, or, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. So that's why it really needs to be kind of a you versus you scenario, right? Right. And it's that, that, that competitive drive sometimes in, in gyms that, um, there's a there's a benefit to it. Don't don't get me wrong. There's a benefit to having someone you chase or to have leaderboards and all of that. There's a benefit to that. Don't get me wrong. But people get caught up in that a lot. And with the oh, I have to do RX. I have to do RX. I have to do RX. I'm gonna RX Fran, but it's gonna take me 20 minutes. But I'm gonna RX Fran. Right. Well, then you're not RXing Fran because the Fran should be under five minutes. So I mean, right. you know, it's that kind of a. It's not RX if it takes you 20. But um. I agree. And it's people, those are the pitfalls people fall into, especially when they've done it before and they come back or they've been doing it just long enough, just long enough to be decent. This is the other thing where they've been doing it, you know, six months where they're feeling pretty good about things, feeling pretty good about their weight. And now the pitfall is, okay, I'm going to do everything heavy and hard and RX, no matter how long it takes me. That's the other pitfall, I guess. The other thing that, um, that you, you just mentioned, and I wrote this article, six years ago right mm-hmm. is what's your three minute fran weight right yeah. and and people don't think of it like that like what's your two minute grace weight right and then you when you have that in place you know let's say that my two minute grace weight might be the women's rx mm-hmm. well now i can now i can go okay i can work towards a two minute you know grace weight at the men's rx mm-hmm. right but but if you don't think of it from that standpoint you sort of miss what was the purpose of the workout in the first place so right. anyway everyone who doesn't crossfit is like uh but I, like I, do, I do think that it's important even if you don't crossfit to think of your workouts like this right Absolutely. don't think of your workouts as just like i go there i do whatever my trainer says you know, their trainers want you to have communication back and forth. So I think it's relevant to everyone, no matter what you do. Um, yep. Last thing, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it because it's a pretty, pretty easy concept. But one thing that I see happening for a lot of people is they get into a place where they kind of need to manage their weight, right? And it, you know, it's sort of getting out of hand for them. You know, there's been all these different things uh, coming up and, and parties and, and, and you know, whatever ended up happening or they, they wanted to start a fat loss. This was actually my situation. They wanted to start a fat loss cycle in September, but there was just too many things coming up to do it. So October was a better time frame. So I'm still not convinced that I'm going to do it. <laughs> Um, I mean, actually, actually, you know, for, you know, one of the one of the real benefits of, of CrossFit is that, you know, I know that I can get smaller CrossFitting, you know. Yeah. And so my weight is already down like five pounds. So um, and same thing with my wife. Right. So, we, you know, we were looking at possibly going to fat loss, but neither of us have like a really big problem. And so, so we're, we're, um, we're, we're keeping our options open, but we're <laughs> defaulting to not doing it. Right. But if we were going to do it, this is how we would do it. So how we would do it was we would start the first phase of fat loss. And if you're not a need to performer, this is how we do it. This is, this is what makes us special compared to other people. The way that most people do it, you would start in October you would have a goal weight and let's say that goal weight was 40 pounds and you would just suck it up and keep going lower and lower and lower, you know, until you reached your goal, which is awesome. The only problem is almost nobody gets that goal. Right. Right. And when you do it that way, you essentially are signing up for like a six to eight month process and you think, well, you know, my buddy Barb, you know, she did it in two to three months Really, you think you're going to be able to do that around Thanksgiving and Christmas? I don't think so, right? <laughs> I mean, and not to mean, you know, I don't mean to be overly um, Christian here um, because I mentioned Jesus earlier. And right. Oh, that's Christian. funny. Yeah. There's a lot of other religions and holidays out there. Um, but the reason why 
I think people really like our approach is because it's not an all at once approach, right? right? So if you started in October and your weight's starting to drift on you a little bit and you want to lose, let's say, eight to 10 pounds, you might be able to pull that off if your runway's high enough, right? Mm-hmm. And you can then pause basically move to recomp and then what would end up happening is that you know around january 1st i mean you could really start it whenever you want um but if i was to do it i would start in october i would go the 28 days for the first phase and then i would do the second stage um after the holidays now will you lose the most weight in that scenario probably not right i mean like let's be real is that you know our coaches are going to help you keep as much holiday weight off as possible right yeah but you probably should expect you know three to four pounds of weight gain so if you lose 10 you know, you're going to net. Now, if you were consistently working it and, and you did it all at once, you might be able to get to that 50 to 20 pound range, right? But right. at the end of the day, what you really want to do is kind of focus on what makes the most sense. And if you look at, you know, weight management, weight loss, it's sort of interesting. And maybe we can end on that note. Um, but I think most of us are just kind of managing our weight, right? We're not, you know, if if there's any one thing that I could say to people that I really hope resonates, and I say it a lot, is don't look at, like, your end goal as being X. Because most people that fail, fail because of that end goal being X, right? right. You can address a lot of your goals by holding on to muscle, by by having periods where you're kind of beast moding, like I said, you know, I mean, it would surprise me if you know I'm down 10 pounds without going to to um, to uh, fat loss by just changing my training, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it does speak to the intensity of training when you're bodybuilding compared to when you're crossfitting, right? Um, but in that time period. I was able to put on 10 to 15 pounds of muscle over the last year and a half. Oh, yeah. I was pretty much stalled for like six years, mm-hmm. you know? So I knew something drastically needed to change. And so now I feel like, you know, I have roughly 162 to 165. Probably if, if weight goes down, probably going to be in the more 160 to 162 range. But that's my actual weight when like all the pictures that people see that three three picture of me where i'm obese and then i'm kind of skinny fat and then i have abs in the two pictures the one in the middle one in the end i'm 162 pounds i have that in lean mass now i actually have more than that in lean mass and so these are kind of like the the graduation that a lot of people don't think about as it relates to the stages that they need to be in and especially as a 50 year old man if I didn't allow myself mentally to be a little bit heavier at times, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to put on weight. It's going to be really hard to, to, to hold on to testosterone. It's going to mm-hmm. be really hard to kind of get better. And so that is secretly kind of one of the things. I mean, I can tell you I'm in that phase right now with with going back to, to the new style of training where I'm hitting the wad refresh at 8 o'clock. <laughs> The next body. So I'm, I'm excited again about Good. this. It's the same way I was excited about bodybuilding when I started that. So I'm um, just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, okay. So that that's fairly easy. Meredith, why don't you um, kind of finish that off? Well, we talked last time about my fat loss phase. So I just want to touch on that real quick because that's what I did just as a recap. You know, I spent you know, eight months really um, in a surplus, eating a lot, building muscle, working on, I did a lot of, um, we're a strength-based CrossFit gym, and I did a lot of accessory West Side type stuff with our, um, with our Metcons and our wads, building, building muscle, and got up to um, the heaviest point that I'd been, I was at 176, um, but I posted those pictures on our last one of my marathon, where I was only 155, 
several years ago when I was marathon training and then 176 and the 20 pound difference. And really, I don't look bigger. I just look more muscular. Um, and it's funny for people to see that, but I am down now eight pounds in this fat loss phase. I stalled out at about five. We changed some things up and now I'm eight. I just, I don't have a lot more to go, um, to get where I want to be, but, um, so you and, I'm actually going to stop before this is where I was going with this. I'm actually going to stop for the holidays too, and then kind of see where I land after that's yeah. my plan. And then January one, I may or may not, depending on where I'm at, depending on how I go through the holidays, but I'm going to finish out. Um, it'll be a total of eight weeks by the time October's done or well, about nine, nine weeks by the time October's done. Um, but yeah, it's going, it's actually going really well, but I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to stop for the holidays just so I can enjoy life a little bit, you know, but I'm not going to go crazy. I'm going to still track what I'm eating. I'm just not going to be maybe as, um, as rigorous to keep up my training, of course, as always. Um, and then just January one, see where I land and see where I want to go from there. So basically you phased one it, right? Yeah. And I think what you're saying is sort of interesting, right? Because, you know, people will often say to me, um, this is actually one of the things that, that I think is kind of like this misnomer that, um, it, you know, if, if I have more food or during the holidays, I'm just naturally going to gain more weight. Not really. You control that, right? You control that with the intensity of your workouts. You control that with your low intensity, steady state. Oh, yeah. you, could, you control that with how much alcohol you're having at any one given time. You control that with sodium. So I think a lot of people, you know, fall to this place where they aren't in charge and they are in charge. So if Meredith, as an example, goes through, let's say, you know, something like a accelerated CrossFit type training, she might actually still um, maintain that weight or actually go lower in that scenario. And then maybe January wouldn't need to be. Right. What I usually suggest to people is that if you make the decision to go fat loss, make the decision to go both sides, right? And that's the thing yeah. that's kind of stopping me because I believe in that, right? Because I believe in that, you know, that maintenance does not exist, right? Once again, another article that I wrote recently. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's that, you know, what you see a lot of times is, is someone will get down to, let's say, 159.99999, and then they have like this death grip on that number, right? right. And so they undereat as they go up. And this is one of the reasons, by the way, why you guys aren't really like the best determinant of what you should be doing. You need a coach to talk you through why you need to be okay being 161, right? And that's that's the thing that I think, you know, people don't realize that if left to their own devices without a coach, you know, it it can get real confusing, right? And so, um, and I think I think as much as that might bother people mm -hmm. uh, to hear that maintenance is a myth, it should also empower people, right? Mm -hmm. that, Weight fluctuations is normal. It's a sign of a healthy metabolism. And then when you look at it from the standpoint of food is my ally, I'm in charge. Now, all of a sudden, you kind of go into and then and then patience. Right. You go into your workouts without this end game in mind. And you're just doing kind of the more correct thing the majority of the time. And then occasionally, like like Meredith is saying, you do something that might be a little bit more um, rigid, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit more extreme just to manage that weight along the way, right? Right. And the only so, thing I want to – oh, go ahead. Can I add one ahead. thing? Yep. I just want to add one thing just so people know. I mean, you talk about this is why you need a coach. This is why you need someone to, you know, to help you along with that because of our own pitfalls we make ourselves fall into. I think that goes for working out like we were talking about earlier. But for this, too, I mean, I want people to know that I'm not my own coach when it comes to I'm not 
I mean, I have April who's telling me what, what I'm doing and she's my coach. I'm accountable to her just because, I mean, I can do it on my own. I know what to do and where to put the numbers, but it's always good for Even as coaches, we need coach. We need a coach. So I just want yeah. to throw that out there that even as, and I find that in my training too, when I go to a CrossFit class that I'm not coaching, um, I'll ask the coach there, Hey, what should I do for this? What should my recommendation, that DT weight that I did the other day when I decided to do it at a 95 pounds, I had asked the coach if he thought that that was a good idea. So I just want you to know that even though we're coaches, we still need coaches. And so if we need coaches, you need coaches. Yeah. I mean, you know, April's one of our original coaches, right? Um, she's one of the senior coaching team and, uh, April's about that business, you know, I mean, so, so she, uh, you know, she's, she's very well known for being real likable and, 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 you know, uh, kind of this motherly figure, but she's also, she, she, she's not a talker, right? I mean, if, if you go to the gym at 8 a.m., April's there, right? So, so she's expecting you to do what she's doing, right? And mm-hmm. we see that in sports a lot where, you know, we're actually kind of struggling with that with like the Minnesota Timberwolves where we have like a star player who's really frustrated and all these other guys that don't take it as serious as he does, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so um, that's just something to kind of think about, you know, when you're asking for a more rigid way of doing things, you know, like live up to that, right? Do, do that work, you know, and because built into the system is the less rigid way of doing it. So that brings that's a good transition to to my next thing. I don't want to get too into this, but I, I think it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people don't put two and two together. But really, mainstream dieting didn't start till the 1960s in Weight Watchers. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of you know, correlation and, and, and there's a lot of factors that go into all these different things, but there's, there's a few things that are facts, right? And the facts are after 1960, we all started eating less, right? Part of it was because we all started moving less. Big part of it, especially as it relates to women was related to Weight Watchers, right? Um. So we're we're eating less and we're often doing less. Now, with the advent of Fitbit and wearables and things like that, people are more conscious of, of that. So now we're eating less, we're walking more, and we're still struggling. And we still can't kind of figure it out. Well, an interesting thing happened this week. Weight Watchers changed their name, right? And so um, I can't remember exactly what it's called. I think it's called Working for Wellness, but it's still the WW. And there's parts of it that I like, right? I, I think the whole idea of us working towards a more healthy way of being is a big part of um, who we are, right? Mm-hmm. So I definitely don't want to discourage that piece of things. And I think that's positive moving and it's actually sort of interesting when you think of it from this standpoint when they had jennifer hudson as the lead person right they had basically there was a comedian that joked about it recently and she said i've been all three jennifer hudson's right and and so there was the there was you know um jennifer hudson when she was heavier and then there's the the you know Jennifer Hudson that got really smaller without any sense of judgment. A lot of times, you know, um, cause like you were talking about it a little bit and oftentimes old people will go, Oh, you look a lot better this way, or you look a lot better that way. I don't personally, like I looked at the, you know, the pictures of you in the marathon, you, you look yeah. great then too. You look great right. now. Right. right. It, it's just a, it's just a different it's version. Mm-hmm. And so, so, but what was, what's been interesting is that since Oprah came, right, one of the things that I think Weight Watchers sort of figured out is 
Oprah is actually most people's actor. Oh, yeah. Right? And so most people aren't necessarily trying to be Jennifer Hudson when she was at her lowest. They're actually just trying to get to the first version of Jennifer Hudson. Right? right. And so with Oprah and now kind of DJ Khaled, and, and I, I expect that they'll have more body sizes represented. Um, who was the other guy? The white guy, Kevin Smith, right? So oh, Kevin, yeah. Kevin Smith, DJ Khaled. So a lot of these folks have have lost, you know, 30, 40 pounds. Um, probably had 30, 40 pounds to lose, and so the first weight's kind of relatively easily easy. And they're moving to more of more moving, more about you know their kind of moving more towards meditation and things of this nature. But what's interesting about it is you could do all those things, but you can't have food as the enemy. And at the end of the day, if food is still the enemy and meaning you've got to eat less all the time, they don't have that piece figured out. Right. right? And until they figure out that piece, right, that's the hard part of selling people that you know, I mean, they know, you know, I mean, I already said maintenance is a myth, oh, but yeah. the concept of maintenance within Weight Watchers has been around forever, but you can't sell people on that idea, right? That's, that's a harder sell to tell people to do what is the more correct path, right? Right. And so, you know, I applaud the fact that they have all these different body types now being represented and all those body types are represented as, as progress. Mm -hmm. But I, I think they still are, they're going to always run into the problem. And I think actually this could be a really interesting kind of moment for them because I think what they want to do is move to more, like how many people have you ever seen wearing a Weight Watchers t-shirt? None. No, right? <laughs> no one's dying to say that they're doing Weight Watchers. Right. They sort of view this as kind of this exciting thing. I mean, I, I suspect that there probably are some people that are wearing freestyle T-shirts and, and things of this nature. And I have to say, you know, if you would have talked to me five years ago, mm -hmm. I would have said, you don't get to be part of the abuse and then get to also be a part of the solution. Right. And in my view, you know, if you've been kind of starving people for the last, you know, 70 years and you were a big part of what that obesity epidemic became, I have softened my stance on that, but I still kind of agree with that, right? I right. still think that until you get to that place where you're willing to have that hard conversation, you're not really moving the needle all that much. And frankly, you know, I kind of wrote this, <laughs> I keep talking about all these articles that I write throughout the week, but that's sort of what I talked about is that until they get to that place, all it seems like is another marketing trick, right. Right? right? And to be honest with you, I hope it isn't. I hope it is something where they do more. They know for a fact that calories need to move back. And until they come into a place like that, now with freestyle, basically what they addressed is people don't want to be hungry, right? And right. so they have all these free foods that are better as it relates to your health, right? There's Greek yogurt, there's, you know, bananas, there's all these different things. But what they've addressed is people don't want to be hungry. Right. What they haven't really addressed is why those people bought Weight Watchers in the first place or whatever they want to call themselves in the future, right? <laughs> because at the end of the day, you know, I'm not saying that meditation isn't better but you know what's better than meditation sleep oh yeah right and right. so if, you know i see a lot of people that are sleeping five hours a day maybe because they're under eating maybe because they're overstressed things of this right. nature and then you can do 15 minutes of meditation all you want dude at the end of the day you need eight hours sleep you yeah. know and i i think you know hopefully it works out for them you know, um, and and that it moves away from this paradigm 
of the scale needs to go down for me to be happy, right? That's right. obviously right. something that we sort of stand against. But at the same time, you know, what's the best path for results? And I just think we're light years ahead of them. I think it's just harder to have that conversation with people. It's much easier to have the conversation that you can sort of eat these more healthy foods and it does affect your health better. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, if, if as an example, you know, this is actually one of the things that um, I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Stephen Davis out of the university of South Carolina, because he is a big uh, fitness over fatness. Right. And yes. so his, his thing is that as long as you're pursuing fitness, you know, rather than sedentary behavior, you know, you're actually going to benefit your, um, you know, health much more pursuing that fitness rather than pursuing drastic weight loss without fitness. Correct. And so your health markers are going to improve. And uh, we see this all the time. You know, we mm -hmm. see where we have 250 pound, you know, females that you know, gain ridiculous amounts of muscle. We have one person that's gained 60 pounds of muscle. Right. Um, what that did for her health markers is astonishing, right? Oh, yeah. Um, she has much better uh, health markers than a lot of people that, you know, truthfully are half her size. Oh, yeah. Right? Because yeah. if you have to spend half your time or uh, if you have to spend a lot of your time under eating to be half of her size, mm -hmm. then how good is that physically, but also how good is that mentally, right? Exactly. So a lot of times that, that people are trying to spin themselves, it, it just feels like another marketing trick, to be honest with you. Every year, Weight Watchers comes out with a new marketing trick, and every year, you know, you will have you will hear people saying stuff like, "Well, Weight Watchers is the only thing that works for me." No, the only thing that worked for you was when you stopped doing Weight Watchers, right? And when you started overeating and you started drinking alcohol, any intervention that you did was going to be better than doing that, right? right. And so, so that's why you know what we try to say is we're not guessing, right? We can actually show you a better result based on you being us having the data, manipulating that data to get you the kind of results and progress that you need. Mm -hmm. But, you know, realistically, we all kind of know that when we're eating like a jerk, you know, that <laughs> eating slightly yeah. better than a jerk. I don't know what to say, it's how to say that, yeah. you know, better. But, you know, like that's what causes rinse and repeat dieting. That's what causes people to be more obese, you know, down the road and consistently in a worse position, right? Imagine if in 1960s, we talked about using food as an ally, more resistance training right around that same time was the same time that Nike started pushing jogging, right? And so, so which once again, I'm not anti- you know, eating less on occasion. I'm not anti-running. Right. But at the same time, we have to look at, are we overusing these things incorrectly, right? Right. And it's this oversimplification, you know. I mean, we were actually having this discussion is like, you know, is it better for a weight loss company to be public or private? You know, because when you're a public company, there's this constant, you know, pressure to reinvent the wheel. Right. They got a big push from Oprah. I mean, I, I didn't even realize this, but when I started doing like the research on Weight Watcher stock is that, you know. Other than like Netflix, right, they experienced like this monstrous growth related to to Oprah. And um, the temptation, of course, is keep feeding me these gains, right? That's what the market wants. Right. But the market is is much more bullish 
on the future of Weight Watchers, especially after this announcement, right? Because the market liked the fact that the focus was on weight being less. We'll see whether Weight Watchers is more correct than the market. I have a feeling Weight Watchers is more correct. I have a feeling the good majority of people would rather stop thinking about their weight nonstop. So I think that that's a positive. What I don't think is going to be a positive is a lot of people eating 1,100 calories for the rest of their life, right? right? And not pushing that, you know, be more side of things where food is an ally, right? Right. And, uh, but, but I'm happy that, you know, the scale shaming at meetings and stuff like that is going away. I'm happy that they're moving to a, a better a better place. But at the end of the day, you know, until it becomes kind of part of their culture, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be hard. There's great steps, right? Like if, if I think a lot of people look at, you know, the Kevin Smith's of the world, the DJ Collins of the world and Oprah's of the world and go, I want to be like them. Right. And they don't view those people as obese people. Right. Right. Really super fit people look at Kevin Smith and think he's an obese person. Kevin Smith is like really super popular, right? Um, DJ Khaled, really super popular. People are willing to look at them as the individual rather than this overweight individual. To me, that is a monstrous step in the right direction. That is where the market is. All these companies that are trying to get you to diet down so you can see your spleen, that is a very <laughs> niche market, right? Right, right. And so, you know, not saying that, you know, some of you can't get there. Some of you can't figure out a way to be as lean as you would like to be. But it's the lean at all cost problem that I think we need to address. And it seems like, since they're moving in that direction, maybe they're starting to figure it out. There's no question they have more data than anyone, right? Oh. And by the way, that's why the, you, you, if you want to know why they're moving away from Weight Watchers, it's because it doesn't work, right? Right. I mean, it's well known that the good majority, of the, the, the percentage that, that is constantly thrown out there is 3%. If you have to crack 100 eggs, to make a three egg omelet. And then those three eggs aren't like the best eggs, right? Like a lot of times those people don't walk away with like a really good relationship with food. You know, that's not the best approach, right? Correct. So the fact that they're trying to find an approach that doesn't break as many damn eggs as they used to, I applaud that part, right? But until they get to the, to the phase where, you know, food is an ally, Right. And I know that, that that's what they're trying to do with free freestyle. But at the end of the day, there's there's still a lot, you know, that that that's kind of like a good food, bad li- food list. Yeah. Right. I don't love that. Right. No. Nope. All right. So we will end on that note. Any uh, big things happening this weekend? No, just still volleyball. My in-laws are coming up for the weekend, but nothing, nothing exciting. Just hanging out, probably we- get my fall decorations up. So I turn 50 next weekend. I know. Um, and so, so I am headed to New Orleans. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of times when I travel somewhere, people say, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if you visited? Um, I might be able to visit a CrossFit gym. And if it magically is your CrossFit gym, uh, that would be great. But uh, for the most part, we... <laughs> we've kind of told our family here, here's what we've never been able to do for my whole life. Okay. I've never been able to go to new Orleans without obligation. And so what I said to my family is I want to go to new Orleans and I just want to be with my core family. Doesn't mean I won't visit, you know, my stepfather. Um, he's actually the only one that, that, um, you know, there's probably a real obligation to meet. You know, um, but there's always a lot of people that want to meet up and things like that. And it's just going to be like four to five days of me time with just, you know, my my family loves New Orleans because I come from there. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it's obviously one of the coolest cities on the planet. 
Um, but usually I have to drag them around, right? And yeah. uh, so we're, we're going to try and, and not do the drag around part and just do a lot of cool New Orleans stuff part. And That'll so be great. About that. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, have a great trip. Enjoy. Yes. So there won't be any podcast next week, but there will be uh, building blocks. So right. no Meredith and I per usual. And then uh, we'll be back the following week. So appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later. You want to say goodbye? Bye, everybody. Have a great weekend. All righty. Talk to you later.